As you hear the scripture this morning, we, we spent a year last year exploring the Gospel of Matthew. And in the center of the Gospel of Matthew, or really toward the beginning, but it really is the central theme, are the Beatitudes. And if we're ever to look at something upon which we can build everything that we do, these are those things. And outgrowth of those are becoming salt and light for the world. So as Karen reads, hear them one more time. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Over the last couple of weeks, I've, I've talked about some of the pre-pastoral work, the, before I became a pastor, some of those things. And, you know, it's just such a humbling privilege to be able to be associated with the White House and be able to have access to things that you could pull out every once in a while as a, a card to that. And being able to go to the Harvard School of Business for a couple of weeks and sit with some of the directors there, some of the professors and some of the great minds of business um, was, was truly a privilege, particularly for this, you know, this young man at that time uh, who did not have uh, a bachelor's degree. And it was just phenomenal and overwhelming to sit there. But the reason that I was there, the reason that we were there, there was a group of about five of us who, who were there, was to, in a nutshell, take the message that we had around prevention, around keeping children safe, and particularly around you know drug abuse and gang involvement, and I said, how do you get that message out to the world? And they sat with us very patiently um, and just talked through the way that you message things. And we happened to be on that site 
the week that they were uh, talking about their marketing statement for the 90s. This was 1989 that, that I was there. And uh, the marketing statement for the 90s I've shared with you before because it's still somewhat accurate today. And that is, fear of loss is a greater motivator than opportunity for gain. Fear of loss is a greater motivator than opportunity for gain. I still see it in parents today. I still see it in athletes today. I still see it in a number of places. And I particularly see it when you want to buy a new car. (laughs) Because the sale of that new car will be over as of Sunday. So you better get in there and get it because that sale will disappear. Right? (laughs) Really? I think your whole role is to sell me a new car, but, but you know, it's, it's that fear of loss is a greater motivator than opportunity for gain. But the other greater piece for us was that they introduced us to this six P's of marketing. And it is amazing how that has carried forward through at least the history of, you know, being a pastor in churches. But there is always a frustration, I think, for many of us of of this continual desire to overlay church work with business. And yet at the same time, there are some things that can help teach us. And this is one of those. So I want to walk through all six of these P's, if you will. They begin with the letter P. and, And begin to just examine them, not so much from a marketing perspective as an evangelism perspective. How do we know the message or what it is that is foundational for us? Well, the first of the P's is purpose. Purpose. What is our purpose? And we go in and we take a look at our our vision and mission statement, which is, we are Aldersgate, a vibrant and inclusive Christian community growing in faith, love, health, and service. Every one of us should have that in our heads and in our hearts. We are Aldersgate, a vibrant and inclusive Christian community growing in faith, love, health, and service. And there are three key words in the midst of that. Christian, community, growing. Christian, community, growing. So let's explore those for just a second as we look at purpose. I think singularly our our, our purpose is, is first and foremost to be Christian, is it not? Because if we're not that first, then what separates us from Rotary or some of the other clubs, as my brother loves to call them, some of the animal clubs, moose and elk and all of those? It is, it is that fact that we are foundationally and, and singularly Christian first that then guides everything from there. And what does that mean? Is that we have committed ourselves to be followers of Jesus Christ. Committed ourselves to examine and study and then take in and be guided by and motivated by those principles that identify us as Christian. Things like faith and a belief in God, and accountability, and action, and acceptance, and all of those kinds of things that we see in Jesus. First and foremost, that is what we are. Unapologetically, that is what we are. But it goes beyond that, because then that second word is community. 
community. And what is a community? Well, a community is a specific population of people, often surrounded by borders, that allow relationship building or focus or direction within that place. Neighborhood and community are, are, are somewhat similar to each other. All community can be bigger. And aren't we a community? Aldersgate? Uh, whether it's first or second service, and, and it, 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 we're, we're a community together. And it's what I think we keep saying is we are one community that worships in two distinctive ways. But it does not separate the fact that we are community. But does that community then spread beyond these doors? And we'll explore that further in just a second. Third word, growing. Growing, friends, of course, means addition. Does it not? Growing means addition. It means that we are inviting friends to this Christian community. It means that we are going beyond the doors to engage this Christian community. But it also means that we're going deeper in our own faith and intentionally trying to become better as Christians and as a community. Right? Growing means addition. One of the things that, that I, I just I so desperately want us to get better at, I hate that, sorry about that grammar, was, is inviting friends in. We have, we have 20, 20 youth going to Zipline today. 20. And we could have had 25. That's growing. That program is growing. We have 160 children coming to the Aldersgate Christian Preschool. That is growing. But the other thing that's happening in both of those places is that they're not just growing in numbers. They're growing in faith. They're growing in community. They're growing in trust. They're growing in their ability to risk. Did I mention they're going ziplining this afternoon? And the bigger one is there are five adults. Going ziplining today. And a few... who are absolutely flatly refusing to go. We're praying for their growth. Aldersgate, a vibrant and inclusive Christian community growing in faith, love, health, and service. That's our purpose, to bring the good news of Christ the balance, the beauty, the accountability, not only with each other, but beyond the doors. Well, that also brings us to the second P, which is what is our product? What is it that, that we're trying to deliver beyond our doors? What is it that we're offering to anyone who would potentially come to this place? I'm going to do the same thing this service as I did at first service, and that is to ask you, so, friends, what is our product? Love. God's Word. Speak up. Peace. Okay. Faith. Fellowship. Hope. Oh, hey, hope. 
Those are the product, and we don't like to necessarily use that word. I don't like to use that word. But your product is your intentional what? That intentional thing that you're trying to give away, that you're trying to, you know, offer to others. And we don't talk this way very much, but we need to be thinking about this way. So what is our product? What is our purpose? And number three is like those. Number three, then, is people. Look around the room. And did you see the the crowd of folks in there as you came to church this morning? And did you feel the energy in the midst of that room? And we had, you know, uh, Chuck Heinemann is a dear colleague, uh, a friend, retired now. He and his wife were here at first service. He was astounded by you, again. And they've come here often. Uh, they live in Richland, but but he's over here quite often. And just looking around at the energy and the diversity and how many youth and how many children and how excited everybody appears. But here's the deal. We continue to grow in trying to develop the relationships that we have with each other. We are still two worship services. And to a great extent, you know, there's a, there's a, a fair amount of growth going on in first service, and particularly as people are finding their way upstairs from downstairs. We had two or three new families at first service this morning, all of them related to the preschool. And opportunities for them to engage with us. So people is partly us engaging with each other. But the other piece of the people is who is it that we're seeking to engage in the community? Business terms, who is our target audience? Well, pastor, shouldn't our target audience be everybody? No. If we believe that that is the audience that we're seeking to have come here, our message gets so filtered and so diluted that we don't really know what to do then. And so one of the decisions that the core leaders have made is our target audience is children, youth, and family. And here's the fear, and I I keep hearing it back from you, is the fear is if that is the target, if that is where we're going, what does that mean for us who are over the age of 40 or 50 or 60. It doesn't mean that things diminish for you. It doesn't mean that the ministries that we have here somehow will will kind of pass you over and, and you are not a part of this. You are absolutely a part of this. But if we're going to grow into the next century, we need to be able to focus in somewhere. And here's the other deal. What were were those first three words? Christian community growing. If you ask anyone out there in business, what is the product that Boeing offers? Airplanes. And the best airplanes in the world. Who's their target? Airplane companies throughout the world. Amazon. It's to make shopping as convenient as possible and their target audience is anyone who would potentially shop online. Who, I mean, I can just go down the list. Every single organization that I know of has a target audience. 
I'm thinking of all the fundraisers that are coming up. LifeWire, Youth Eastside Services. Every one of them has a target audience that they're trying to help. And friends, I have to tell you, just from that kind of perspective, we need that. And it's the most natural thing for us is to look at children, youth, and family. But again, it does not in any way diminish the fact that we need to be in ministry with everyone who is here. So I'm going to tell you again the dream that I have. I, I just I, I have this dream that as soon as somebody drives into this property, that they immediately recognize that we want to have a relationship with the community. And I will tell you, they don't right now. They don't. They don't know we're here. All they really know is that there's this church with this big cross, and we're not even sure that they own the property that we walk across or go sit by the creek. And by the way, we don't really know what they do. And as you're going to hear on perception in just a second, here's what we know about Christians. They're judgmental. They're hypocritical. They keep people away. They don't want inclusivity. And yet I go back. What is our statement of mission and vision? We are a vibrant, inclusive, Christian community growing. Faith, love, health, and service. I have this dream of, and Dorothy is aware of this, of building this huge pergola right down there in that lower area. And, and so that there's shade in it. Because that's where all of the preschool children ride their trikes. And that what we do is we take that sidewalk and we may expand a little bit and we put, you know, broken, a broken white line in the middle of it to make it look like a street. And we put little stop signs down there or little flashing yellow lights or other things that would engage them in their pretend play that will teach them about some things about life. At the common table coming up a week from tomorrow, we have three youth who are going to come to you Aldersgate, and they're going to propose that we build a permanent nine-hole Frisbee golf course on this property. And by the way, it's already set up. I set it up about a month ago, and I will tell you again, because I'm not competitive, that the par is now set because of the record made by the pastor <laughs> in Frisbee golf. And the par is 32. And I've never been in a golf course of any kind where there's a par 8. And it's the last hole that goes all the way from beyond the portables up to that concrete slab right up there. But they're going to come propose that this becomes permanent, that we get those baskets and things. Because they love this. And now they are beginning to get engaged. And by the way, they're part of the people of this congregation. Be kind to them. I know I don't have to say that to you, but I'm going to say it to you. Be kind to them. They are terrified of doing this. So number four, then, of the six Ps. I'm sorry, number five is what I've already talked about a little bit, and that is perception. We live in the Pacific Northwest, and the perception of Christians is not good. It's not good. And it is that nobody really needs a church to a great extent. Nobody really needs a place like this. This is full of Christian dogma, of hypocrisy and judgment and those kinds of things, and yet... We're not. Are we? My sense is that we're not. And so how is it that we can move beyond that perception and offer an alternative perception? 
Because part of the key to perception is how do we see ourselves? A perception that looks inward, not just a perception that looks outward. So what is our perception of ourselves in our gifts and our graces and what we can offer? And what is the perception of those coming up? And that brings me to number six. It's Jack Morrison's favorite. It's price. What does it cost to be here? Well, like the others, price comes in a variety of flavors. It's not just about, it is about stewardship. But it's also about some other things. You remember last spring, we had 15 confirmants come in, and 13 of those joined the church. And anyone who has joined the United Methodist Church knows that we're asked about the cost of being here, and we vow to support with a sacrificial cost the ministries that take place in and out of here. Because what we commit to is supporting the ministries of this church with our prayers, cost, our presence, cost of time, our gifts, both financial and spiritual, and what we can offer, prayers, presence, gifts, service, how we offer ourselves to the world and witness the fact that we will communicate that we are a Christian community growing. Those are the six Ps. It's why it makes so much sense to me that they are the six Ps of sharing the good news, which is what evangelism is. We have a story to tell. And on this 9-11, we have a story to tell to this country, and we have a story to tell to the world. And if we don't take it on, nothing's going to change. And we will continue to have to deal with the things that we face, and particularly the things like we faced 15 years ago. And at the schools where the shootings occurred, or San Bernardino, or uh, you can just go down the list. Our role is to bring accountability, sometimes confrontation, grace, and peace, which even for us will come at a price. But then, finally, what guides us? Because there are two more P's that are essential to this. And that's where we go back to the Beatitudes. Because the work that we do has to be intentionally toward bringing peace And we need to do it with passion. We need to do it with passion. So I'm going to read again at least this humble pastor's understanding of the Beatitudes because this is foundational, I think, for all of us. Here are the Beatitudes in forms of questions. Do we truly understand our own spiritual poverty, our need for God? Do we allow ourselves to feel things deeply enough that it creates a passion and compassion in us for others? So much so that we take actions to bring that peace. Do we remember that we are not God, but that it is in our meekness toward God that we find what it takes to be what God needs us to be? And in our approach to God, Do we approach our relationship with God and Christ as though we are starving for it, thirsting for it, and cannot live without it? 
If not, we simply won't go any deeper than our hunger or thirst takes us. The outgrowth of all of this is mercy. Mercy is loving each other and loving our neighbors, particularly those in need. And when we fail to do any of what I've already talked about, and we all do, we understand that our hearts and souls can only become pure when we seek forgiveness, when we accept it, and move constantly toward purity of heart, mind, and in out of that comes our action. And the result? The result is peace. A peace that passes understanding. It's then and only then that we will realize what it means and what it feels like to be children of God. And by the way, it's a really good feeling. It's something that can change our lives and the lives of others if we are willing to share it with the understanding that there will be challenges. Those who think we're crazy, think we're hypocrites, thinks, think we're judgmental, and a whole lot of other things. And when we feel the overwhelming sense of that, we go back to the beginning and take the Beatitudes one more time, one piece at a time. Friends, this is Christianity in its simplest form. It is a guide to us, very much like the Lord's Prayer, that can help us understand what we do and can go through all six of those P's and then adding peace and passion to the end of it. And suddenly we have an idea of our purpose, of our product, of the people and the perception, of the price and all of those things that we need to understand as we continue to seek to grow, to grow as Aldersgate, a vibrant and inclusive Christian community growing in faith, in love, in health, and in service. Amen? Amen.